Welcome to the Seminole Wars. In this podcast, we explore how the Seminole Wars came to be, how they were fought, and how they still resonate some two centuries later. I am your host, Patrick Swan, and our show is a production of the Seminole Wars Foundation, found online at www.seminolewars.us. We are recording today from the homestead of the Foundation in Bushnell, Florida. Thank you for listening. Rachel Conrad for 28 TV. 1816 was a year of tension in the borderlands that separated the United States from Spanish Florida. The Creek War and the War of 1812 were over, but anger still simmered in the region of the lower Chattahoochee and Flint Rivers. This is where empires collided in the years 1814 to 1821 and where the futures of three nations were decided. I'm Dale Cox for Two Egg TV. We are in Fort Gaines, Georgia, and we are at the site of Old Fort Gaines. I'm Rachel Conrad for Two Egg TV. Follow me through the gates of Fort Mims for one of the most important stories in American history. I'm Dale Cox for Two Egg TV, and today we're telling you about a little known battle that took place 204 years ago today on December 13, 1817. This battle took place right here in Bluntstown, Florida. This the battle here ended in a victory for the Native American Allied Forces. I'm Rachel Conrad for Two Egg TV. The Apalachicola River flows silently past Prospect Bluff. 200 years ago, this was the scene of a bloody battle that ended with the deadliest cannon shot in American history. This is Dale Cox for Two Egg TV, and today we're taking you to Horseshoe Bend National Military Park, and this is where the bloody Battle of Horseshoe Bend took place. Hillsborough River State Park was built by the Civilian Conservation Corps, or CCC, and was opened in 1938 as one of Florida's first state parks. If history is your thing, you can learn about the Second Seminole War and life at Fort Foster. This historic log fort has been reconstructed and you can visit it on a guided tour led by a park ranger. I'm Dale Cox for Two Egg TV. We are at the site of Fort Hughes in Bainbridge, Georgia, and today we're going to tell you the story of the Battle of Fort Hughes. The first U.S. defeat of the Seminole Wars took place here on the Apalachicola River at Chattahoochee, Florida on November 30th 1817. The battles and events of the Seminole Wars cover fields throughout Florida. Unfortunately, in many cases, other than in some dry official reports and personal letters and diaries or oral tradition, what happened on those fields is largely lost to history and to the public. There is a corrective, however. Two Egg TV brings the wonder of travel and the adventure of historical inquiry into these places. Through succinct video reports, Rachel Conrad and Dale Cox breathe life into stale reports by imagining these battles and events through a compelling visual and audio presentation. These historians hail from Two Egg, Florida, hence their name. It's the small town that brings the big picture to history, especially to the Seminole Wars. In this episode, Rachel Conrad relates the places Two Egg TV has visited to bring an awareness of the Creek and Seminole Wars. Battles at Fort Mims and Horseshoe Bend in the First Creek War, along with the Battle of Negro Fort, help explain the stakes on the eve of the First Seminole War. Two Egg TV prepared a follow-on video dispatch on the battle with Lieutenant Scott 
on the Apalachicola River and on other engagements in that war. It's Rachel Conrad, welcome to the Seminole Wars. Thank you so much. Okay, Rachel, what is Two Egg TV? So Two Egg TV is a streaming, off-the-beaten-path travel channel. So we do stories all over the southeastern United States, um, stories of interest. Sometimes they're nature, sometimes they're history, and um, we take people on adventures is what we do. Admin note, Rachel, where do we find it? Two Egg TV can be viewed on Roku or YouTube or TwoEggTV.com, and so people click in. And then we take them somewhere like a waterfall. And in the Wiregrass, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama area, people don't really think of waterfalls being there. But we found some hidden ones on private property and public property, and we took people there recently. So we take them there with a camera. We have an expert historian on our team named Dale Cox. He has research about these places and stories attached to them. And he takes you on an adventure and tells you the legend that might be there, the real history that's there, and describes to you what you're seeing. So even if you can't uh, leave the house that day or you're not even able to go there because it's private property, Two Egg TV can take you on adventures nobody else can. And this is family-oriented. Right. We love promoting places for families to go picnic, for them to go visit events and things. So it's a way for us to help small towns with tourism. It also helps economic development. You show what's great about an area and then people want to go there. It's a way for us to give back and it's a way for us to promote a lot of great things and preserve a lot of great things. Rachel, what's the geographic scope for topics that Two Egg TV may produce? We focus mostly on Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, but we've done a few things in Louisiana and Mississippi and Tennessee and things. One day we'll have everything from all over the southeastern United States that is of interest and unique, but we do a lot of stuff, particularly in Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, and plan to expand from there. It's amazing how much there is and how much we've been able to build in programming. How long have you been at it? We started developing the channel in 2015. It takes a long time to gather up the footage and long feature documentaries and things that we make. We started in 2015 releasing some short travel features and released several full-length documentaries. We've been building the channels, helping a lot of other places, and we're getting ready to launch another channel. I have an announcement for that pretty soon. We're having so much fun. It takes a long time. As we know, to make those blockbuster films we see in the movie theater, it takes a while to make films that we make as well. We do it on a very lean scale, and we do it very efficiently like nobody else can because we have expert historian Dale Cox, who has a lot of history in television. Several other members of our team add an experience level that other documentary and travel companies just don't have. Two Egg is not just a TV channel. It's named for a place. Tell us about that place. If you've heard of the town Two Egg, Florida, you have a head start. Two Egg, Florida is a place in the panhandle that touches Georgia and Alabama almost. It's a small, unincorporated community. It's a neat place. It has sugarcane industry. It has two wedding venues, a drive-in movie theater, not even a gas station, not even a red light, just three road signs and some friendly people. You started the channel. You named it for this quaint small town. We started the Travel Channel, Two Egg TV, in Two Egg, Florida. Dale Cox had his career all around the world and around the United States managing television stations. And his nickname was Two Egg. 
And so Two Egg TV is a brainchild of the historian Dale Cox, and it's in Two Egg, Florida, that's main studio. And so Two Egg TV just kind of fit, and it really catches your eye. So that's why we named it Two Egg TV. Tell us more about where this Two Egg, Florida is. Two Egg, Florida is right in the nook of Florida, Jackson County, that touches Georgia and Alabama. It's right off Highway 90 between Mariana and Tallahassee. It's right off 90, and it's about mm, 45 minutes south of Dothan, Alabama. Which period, or wars and battle, has Two Egg TV focused on? Two Egg does do a lot with the Creek Wars in Alabama and Florida and the Seminole Wars in Georgia and Florida. Besides the area being the home of Dale Cox, what got you interested in this historical period to cover for Two Egg TV? We got interested in this era of history because it's untouched. We're off the beaten path, and so this is an off the beaten path subject. Dale Cox has written several books that have delved into this very deeply, and so we are making documentaries and features that really bring it to life. You can read the book, and then you can watch the video or the documentary and see it. It's a forgotten piece of time, and there's so much new things that are coming to light. It's a niche for us. Two Egg TV is producing documentaries about Seminole Wars because it's an untapped market. Nobody else is doing it. Nobody else can do it because it's amazing how much new research has been uncovered and how we can bring it to light because of all of our connections with reenactors and historic sites. So that's why we're doing it is to bring something and preserve something that people wouldn't otherwise know about. The market is really growing for the Seminole Wars. As you might have noticed, doing your work, people are more interested in it. For some reason, they're finding out about it and they're like, oh, let me learn more. What are some of the Seminole War battles or events that 2A TV has covered? Sure. The first Seminole War starts with the Battle of Fowltown. And so Fowltown is in Georgia. The Battle of Fowltown had two parts, and we did a feature on that, a couple of different features. And then the Scott Battle of 1817, we did a Scott presentation, and we're going to do another one. And then it continues with several other conflicts. Uh, We just did a story about the Battle of Spanish Bluff in Calhoun County, and the people there were just really flipping out because they had no idea. They had such a significant confrontation right there in their town, in Bluntstown, Florida. And uh, Chief Blunt's involved, and Thomas Perryman dies there, which is a significant character who was at the Battle of New Orleans, and he was the father-in-law of William Augustus Bull. Like, this is a really serious, huge character, and he dies there. And so it's so exciting when... Locals and people far away can make a connection. Hey, you know, I make a connection because familiar with the Battle of New Orleans or something like that, or I make a connection because that's in my backyard. It's so exciting. But those are some of the few battles that get things rolling for the First Seminole War specifically. So what's your approach to taking this from story idea to published episode? Without giving any trade secrets away, um, <laughs> It's really unique, our process, but for some reason, timing is everything. As with most industries, timing is very much the key ingredient, whether something flops or whether it goes viral. So timing is a big portion. It could be timing of the historical event. It could be timing of an interest, okay? Say some interesting story happens somewhere else. That's when we finish out a project we've been working on because people are in the mood for that specific genre. 
if we can capture people when they're interested, people have a short attention span. Timing is everything. But a lot of projects take a long time. So like the Fort at Prospect Bluff is a topic Dale has been researching since he was 12 years old. You know, he's in his 50s now. Things take time. People don't realize how much time and effort goes into something, and we might not be able to use it for years. That's a huge book. It's a beautiful book. And now we've done a documentary about it, and we're going to do more because there's more being uncovered. So just like a website, as soon as something's published, you find something else, and you can do another story about it, which is really exciting. And we're going to do follow-up stories for, say, for instance, the forgotten structure on Lake Seminole. Everybody called it Jackson's Oven for a long time. They didn't know what it was. And so, like, Seminole is a flooded man-made lake. And we go out there in a boat, in a diver, and we go and plot around. And there's all these theories about it being Mayan. And people just flip out about the story. We reshared it the other day. And people were like, oh, we need more. We need more. And so we're going to do another segment. We did an article to wrap it up but people want more video. I teach my business students at Troy University. I said, if a customer wants a blue cupcake, what do you give them? You give the customer what they want. And so people want more of the mysterious structure on the bottom of Lake Seminole, formerly known as Jackson's Oven. I'm not going to give away the secret, but we now call it Jackson's Fridge. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Jackson. It is opposite of what everyone thought it was. So we leave it open for people to solve the mystery on their own if they want, but we help spark curiosity and people are taking adventures with their families because of the features that we're doing. It's really exciting to see. Rachel, we were at the 200th commemoration of the Battle of Prospect Bluff slash Negro Fort. And of course you and Dale were there and Dale's done extensive research on this. And 2ATV has done a report. Yes, so the 200th anniversary, they call it the Battle of Negro Fort or the Battle at Prospect Bluff, the deadliest cannon shot in American history. Yes, we were there. Dale showed a poster with some of the names that he has uncovered of the people that were there. Then we had another event in St. Mark's, and so we had to leave before we met everybody. But it was a really neat event. Prospect Bluff's story took a very long time to put together because we're getting different interviews, new information was coming out all the time. So we did a feature about that. And then when the 200th anniversary came, 2ATV is very selective. We might not film everything at an event, but we'll pick and choose and condense it for an audience. Um, but we try to make the most out of every event that we go to. We'd love to help promote things and volunteer our time, especially if it's something so significant as the Fort at Prospect Bluff is. We're not really sure where to place the Battle of Prospect Bluff. Was it part of the Creek Wars? Was it part of the Seminole Wars? Was it part of the War of 1812? You certainly have great ambitions for the War of 1812. Yes, yes, I'm glad you mentioned that, Patrick. So the War of 1812 on the Gulf Coast is an ongoing series that we're doing. We're up to 15 parts or episodes now. We start all the way back with Tecumseh and a lot of interesting things that started the War of 1812. And so the War of 1812 on the Gulf Coast says a lot of things from the Native American perspective, gives a lot to the side of the story that has not been told, and also pieces everything together. Part 7, we allude to the Battle of New Orleans and have a few shots, but we're nowhere near that. We're not even up to Horseshoe Bend yet. So there's so many different things, but people are giving it 
to people in bite-sized portions and helping them visualize things that are really complex. I think it can be done in a way that gives you the richness and the complexity of history, but in a simple, easy, wow, that makes sense. I don't need to pick a side or judge everybody on one side because this is complicated. You know, there's a lot of different moving pieces here. So exciting. People are really loving that series and getting to be a part of that series. We just filmed some more at the Battle of New Orleans reenactment in Louisiana. Got some British and some Indians and some American soldiers and French soldiers and interviews with them. And so we're going to have a lot of footage to add to that series coming up. So stay tuned. It's going to be really fun. How important is it to have Dale Cox as your partner with 2 TV for the type of historical programs with a travel and adventure bent? Right. It's really helpful to have him because he's read all of his life and he can remember everything that he's read and the hardcore first-person documents, these handwritten letters. And so he can tell whether this soldier was at the battle or not, whether this played a significant role or not. And now you're joining the fray as reenactors. Reenacting is something new for us, but we love collaboration. And so we're learning from others. We're helping them. It's a really team effort between us and the community of reenactors and historians and people that own historic sites. We love collaborating. Somebody can tell us something new. Absolutely. We're all about that. We can share something that helps shed light on something. We are all about that. My addition to this team is a lot of artistic ability from the business standpoint. I teach business. My master's is in business. So I think of it as how can we make this sustainable? How can we help more people? How can we make this something that people will want to come back to, want to contribute to? It's a really neat effort because we have the history side, the tourism and travel element of our team, the business aspect, the philanthropy aspect is we're always trying to give back. And that's why we do everything that we're doing is trying to preserve and give back and educate and just have a good time. Living historians, interpreters have been so helpful because it's much easier than hiring an actor, getting them attired for thousands of dollars with weapons and finger weaving and boots and coats and everything, and then educating them and then getting them and training them the whole process. So Partnering with reenactors to fill these gaps of historical figures that are no longer alive has really been helpful for 2 TV because we can do things much more economically. We can do things much more accurately because a lot of reenactors have been doing it for years. Like our friend Ferris Powell has been reenacting for, I think, 25 years or more. And he has built in a massive knowledge, particularly of Native American attire. So he can make pucker toe moccasins from southeastern Creek Indians. He can sew the ruffles on a cape for a Native American woman's outfit. He knows how to make a frock coat. He knows what time period would you wear this type of turban? What time period can you use this type of fabric? We're learning from that. So exceptional to have these people who make it their passion to reenact, to preserve these stories. For the most part, they're very open to learning. And they're like, man, let's learn from each other. And so that's what we've really enjoyed as we've expanded our projects, as, as I'm sure you have enjoyed learning from other people you've been interviewing. It's quite interesting. I guess the hobby or interest segment of reenacting. 
Your videos can have unexpected favorable consequences for the reenactment or living historian hobby. Exactly. And we're hoping to spark an interest in a lot of folks that want to join these groups. Um, we just interviewed some 95th Regiment riflemen at the Battle of New Orleans. And so a lot of people don't know about the light infantrymen that wore green on the British side. Hopefully that'll spark more interest in those groups. Those groups of reenacting are across the country and they're rather large when you think of a group, but they're comprised of people across the United States. We do hope it sparks interest in a lot of these different ideas and things. And another thing I want people to realize is 2AG TV is reaching a lot more people than my dog's YouTube channel, which is growing. 2AG TV is reaching millions of people worldwide. And so we just did a story about uh, Florida Cavern State Park. So a volunteer there, he found a cave and they started exploring the cave. I'll let Rachel pick up the action from a Two Egg TV production. A stunning new cave discovered at Florida Cavern State Park is rewriting everything we know about the caves of Florida. Rachel, tell us more. It turns out this cave is now the third longest explored cave in Florida. It's massive and it just keeps going and going and going. And so we released this story and it went crazy and the guy we interviewed who found the cave and has been exploring it we interviewed him right before he shipped over overseas um, in the military and so there was no one for people to interview except for you know two TV had the interview so people were asking us for the interview and um, we helped some folks out but people had no idea that two TV had such a reach it's exciting because we're getting to promote you know, state parks promote the idea that, hey, there's still a lot of places that are unexplored. This cave, the third longest cave in Florida, might become the second longest cave in Florida. There is no evidence that anyone has ever been in there. So it's really, really exciting and unique. You mentioned Two Egg TV's reach. Tell us about that. Mm -hmm. So Two Egg TV will soon be broadcasting through the airwaves, but right now it's online. And over 50% of people switched to streaming television back in 2015. The most widely used streaming platform is called Roku, R-O-K-U. A lot of people have Roku sticks or boxes that they plug into their television, or they have a Roku TV. And so a majority of our audience watches through Roku. We have our own channel on Roku. It's a free channel, Two Egg TV. And it has a fellow holding a frying pan in front of his face with two eggs in it. It's a very comical icon for the channel. A lot of people watch that way. And so they just happen to be searching for a new channel on their Roku TV. And up pops Two Egg TV. A lot of people are searching on YouTube for, you know, springs in Florida. And they will find our feature about seven unique springs near Orlando. Or they'll find, you know, the newest spring video we did called Kathy Spring that might be renamed for a state trooper who lost his life in the line of duty. A lot of people just come across our channel because of something they're interested in. And that's kind of our motivation because the general public has changed the way they watch television. They've changed it so they're not always set to go 7 o'clock on Tuesday night, which we still do for Oak Island. But people are changing it to where they want it on demand, and they want it right now. They want to do it on their schedule. And so we fulfill an interest level, a specific topic, and that's how they stumble upon across us. And then they can pick and choose what kind of interests them from the channel. 
whether it might be edible plants, whether it's waterfalls or mountains or covered bridges or, you know, Seminole War. That's kind of the idea is that we want people to kind of get lost in it, just be so entranced with what they're seeing that they just keep going. And it's, you know, it's clean, it's educational, but it's also entertaining, which is a big factor. And television is a learning tool. We have folks that say, I clicked on your stuff to see a story about a spring. But then I started watching and going all these places with you guys. And I had to stop myself because I had missed half a work day. (laughs) So that's kind of the goal. We want people to be so entranced with it that they just keep watching or they can set aside a time where it's on demand. And so streaming television is the future. We try to be on the cutting edge of all the trends that are changing. We rode that wave of change as it happened in 2015, 2016, when a majority of people switched over to streaming television. We're expanding. Who knows what the future will bring, but we're ready to ride the next wave of change. Another part of your reach is to local television stations. Right. Yeah, so we do that often as local television stations will ask, hey, can we run this or can we run that or do you have something that would fit? And we are very happy to do that. Most of the time we will give it to them for a small fee or an advertising segment. We'd love to help. And so we'd love to help out with the television station who needs some extra programming. So they can just contact us through our website and ask, hey, you know, I'd love to have some programming. We are all about that. So they can reach us at 2AgTV.com and ask us for anything specific or something general. I presume schools are also part of your reach. Schools have really been excited to have our programming. Sometimes I tell a teacher, I said, we can take your students on a virtual field trip and you don't have to get permission. You don't have to sign all those permission slips, worry about getting enough bus space and enough gas money to get there. You can take adventures every week in your classroom due to TV. So that's been really exciting as teachers have been using it to teach small or large concepts of history, to teach them about plants, to teach the kids about community, to teach about engineering mechanisms. We have done presentations physically in school, still held the attention of 400 fourth graders um, without skipping a beat. It was miraculous. So we've done in-school presentations, and some of our colleagues working with us have done in-school presentations and then invite the kids to some of the reenactments in the area. That's been a huge part of what we've been doing. We're working on expanding that. We've got a new person on board that's going to make lesson plans specifically around what the kids need for their curriculum and developing quizzes and little question and answer things that match with the videos and match with the new videos and so kids can be more interactive and have something for the teachers to grade at the end. That's something we're expanding out to and are open to. We'd love for schools and large groups to contact us, say, hey, we need this. We recently had the military, the Army, reach out to us and say, hey, we need a program to teach about this specific time in history and how strategic it was. It's amazing what we can do if people just ask. In contemporary classrooms, only slightly less obscure than the history of the Seminole Wars is the history of the War of 1812. The War of 1812 on the Gulf Coast was a continuation of events that started in the Creek or Muscogee Nation. But those events remain among the most misunderstood in North American history. You've got some new episodes coming for that series. Which one was related to that U.S. Army project? I can't say 
But it was a major battle. It hasn't come out yet on our War of 1812 on the Gulf Coast series, but it will soon. We did something very special for them. It'll be a little bit different when it comes out for the public in that series. They were very happy with it. We're able to show their people. They've always studied it. They've studied it for years. They bring a group out there when they're training them every year and teach them about the strategy. But they were so happy with the way we presented it, and they're going to use it again. It's wonderful to be a part of teaching the next generation of military commanders about strategy and how can we learn from this and that and use that with our visual tools with 2AG TV. And another aspect of your outreach is actually going out there in person and speaking to groups. Yes. Dale and I will often do speaking engagements with the Lions Club, Rotary Club, with different groups that request us to come because it plays such a significant role in economic development, how a community looks, its stories, its histories, its legends, its attractions. We've spoken to Rotary Clubs, Lions Clubs, and different civic groups. We do that by request, so people have to ask specifically for that. It's been so much fun because you can really read people on a personal level and get them involved and engaged. And so then they want to read more and they want to come to events and they want to do research on their own. And a lot of groups have showed our documentaries at their meetings, especially during the pandemic. It's been hard to get speakers. We're like, hey, use this program and put it on a projector and then they'll take a walk down the Battle of Mariana with Dale or they'll go somewhere in the First Seminole Wars. It's been really exciting how we've been able to fill a void for groups like that. Along the way in all this, you let the public know about some things that they had no idea about. One of these has to do with what the Indians used. Tell us about that. Something that was fascinating to me, we haven't actually said this explicitly on 2AG TV yet, but I think it's interesting that Native Americans invented self-tanner. <laughs> they would take, I think it's the pulpberry, and squish it up and put it all over themselves and turn themselves a reddish bronze color. I tell school kids all the time. The Battle of New Orleans this past weekend, a school kid asked me, said, what did Native Americans or specifically, you know, Creek Indians, what did they contribute to society? And I said, self-tanner. And they were like, what? And I said, yeah. Indians gave us a lot of different things, specifically the Creek Indians. They invented self-tanner. Millie Francis that you and I have talked about before, she was a Creek Indian girl and she changed the world with an act of mercy. It was so stunning to me when I first heard her story, and it still surprises me what a wonderful gift to the world that she showed mercy when she could have just not intervened. And the young soldier, Duncan McCrimmon, might have passed away, and that part of history would never be remembered like it is. But she stood up. She had some hard conversations. She didn't make a scene. She had an act of mercy, and she changed the world. She sparked conversation. Maybe Native Americans are human. You know, maybe they are real humans, and not, not everybody thought that. A lot of people did. A lot of people were okay with Indians as long as they didn't mess with them, you know, but it sparked conversation. Those are a few of the many things I've been surprised with in these features. I'm always surprised with the natural treasures that people don't know are in their backyards. Like, there's this rock outcropping in Chipley, Florida, right down the road from Two Egg. It's even in the Two Egg book. Is, is this a volcano? Because this <laughs> long time ago explorer said, hey, this is a volcano. Well, there's no way it could be a volcano. <laughs> but it's these large red sandstone rocks are just in the middle of this beautiful forest of pine trees. And you're not really allowed to go there without special permission because the Nature Conservancy owns it. 
we went there. It's just this remarkable place you would never think would be there. But it's beautiful, and it's just like another world. So that's what I've been really impressed with with 2ATV is our ability to find things that are just so unique. You would never think they would be there, or you would never think this really happened, but it did. And what can we learn from that? What does it change about our lives today? That's very wise, Patrick, because when you do go into a project, you have an idea of where you think it's going. But if you get into the documentation or you get on the scene and it's different, you have to be able to express that. Or maybe you go into a story and it's not quite the storyline you were planning for. What I teach my students is that you have to know what a sunk cost. So you might have put a lot of effort into this area or this project or this video, but if it's not going to be what the viewers need, if it's not actually accurate, if you find a piece that changes everything, you've got to drop it, move on. You can't keep pouring money or time into something that's not going to pan out. So that's a big maturity lesson for a lot of business people and TV people. It's hard because you might put a lot of effort into a project and then have to leave it. Usually what you do is you just pick up and you find the real pieces and you change it. One thing that's been hard is if you can't quite finish something in time. Remember I said timing is everything. If we can't quite finish a project on time, waiting till next year to share it is really hard. Or waiting till a different season because you want to share it. And so um, pictures is a big thing for me because while I'm filming for the documentary or the travel feature, I'll take these great pictures. My hair will be just perfect or I'll be with this really neat reenactor or historian or something. Um, but I can't share that picture on social media unless the timing is just right where I can either promote it, the actual segment, or say, hey, this is coming. So I've tried to be very intentional about when do I share these pictures to kind of push people to this this feature, to Egg TV. Because as humans, we've gotten to this Facebook mindset or LinkedIn mindset of, oh, this is a nice picture and not go any deeper than that. Oh, I've seen it. You know, I've seen the thumbnail. I read the description. I don't need to watch it or read it. Reading is fundamental. And there's so many things that you can't get from a headline. You can't get from a thumbnail. And so that's been a maturity and a wisdom from a business standpoint for me is knowing when to hold things back and when to let it all loose, give them all the pictures and all the links and timing. Timing is everything. And we call it B-roll. It's stock footage. It can be used for many stories. And I presume that you're able to do that, especially in this War of 1812 in the Gulf Coast series. Just like as a carpenter has a tool or something that they might reuse, if it works and it fits perfectly, we'll amass these different scenes and we might use them for different documentaries. And so there's a couple of great shots of British soldiers or American soldiers that we might reuse in different pieces as all the other channels, the History Channel and the Discovery Channel would do. But new footage is really a big thing. So we try to always have something different about the thumbnail because you wouldn't believe how many people see a picture on a a shared social media post or something like that. And it looks very similar to something they've seen before. And they're like, oh, I already saw that. And they won't click. It's huge to be able to reuse footage, but it's also huge to be able, you have to get new footage. And it takes so much footage to just make one minute of video. 
that's what we've been doing for the last um, six years is we've been gathering this footage. We've been gathering these resources to make longer documentaries. We're going to do several documentaries to be put on Amazon. The Amazon Prime watchers will get to view it for free. A lot of people will still be able to view it for free just with a few ads. But these longer form stuff take a lot of time and a lot of effort, a lot of editing and a lot of B-roll, as you said. That's something that we've been working on is amassing this footage, getting it just right, and then there'll be wonderful works of art. How many works of art has Two Egg TV done? So Two Egg TV has done over 250, I think, uh, features so far. And then of the Seminole War, probably um, at least mentioning probably 75. A significant portion is dedicated to something that mentions the Seminole Wars because it's such an untapped piece of history, an untapped piece of entertainment and enlightenment for folks. And the big one you have is this multi-part series on the War of 1812 on the Gulf Coast. The War of 1812 on the Gulf Coast was a continuation of events that started in the Creek or Muscogee Nation. But those events remain among the most misunderstood in North American history. A lot of people don't know that the War of 1812 had such a connection to the Seminole Wars, and so we have more coming out on our War of 1812 on the Gulf Coast series. We're working on a coloring book for our publishing company that is Seminole War specific, and that'll be coming out later in this year. We've got a lot of documentaries coming out. We're going to start making movies, which is kind of cool. Those things are on the horizon. What really helps us is when people download our Roku channel and watch it, when people keep YouTube streaming on their work computer. Those little things and sharing it really helps us so we can help more small towns. We can preserve more history. We love getting feedback and comments from folks. It's a really collaborative effort with our viewers when they tell us what they want, when they ask questions, and they're really paying attention. It's really encouraging to us when our viewers get involved. As we wrap up our conversation, Rachel, wrap up what Two Egg TV is all about. Two Egg TV is a streaming off the beaten path travel channel that is making waves for history, for the future, for preservation, and for economic development. And so we're happy to be a part of the streaming world and very excited for our new viewers to see what we have coming and what we've already done. So you can find it at TwoEggTV.com, on Roku, and on YouTube. And that's T-W-O-E-G-G-T-V. We'll leave it there. Rachel Conrad, thanks for joining us again for The Seminole Wars. Thank you, Patrick. If you enjoyed this show, please take a moment to like us on Facebook at Seminole Wars Foundation. Leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. Your reviews and comments help new listeners discover us and help us keep the show going. Visit our website at www.seminolewars.us for blogs, articles, news, books, events, membership information, and how to subscribe to this podcast. We'll be back soon with a new episode of the Seminole Wars Podcast. The Seminole Wars Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to preservation, education, and publication of Seminole Wars history throughout the state of Florida. This podcast is copyrighted. The Seminole Wars Foundation, 2022. All rights reserved. Front bumper music, The Devil's Garden. Roast em, provided by kind permission of Rudy Youngman. Back bumper music, Second Seminole Win, 
by Jed Merrim and Ricky Pittman, courtesy of Ricky Pittman, all rights reserved.